0: I'm Kevin Mims with The Invading Sea, a Florida-wide media collaborative that reports on climate change in the state. As part of that effort, we started the Business of Climate Change, a weekly interview with businessmen and women whose companies are either affected by the warming climate or address climate challenges. Today's conversation is with Oscar Rodriguez, Executive Chairman and CEO at NovaCharge. Oscar, thanks for talking with us today.
1: Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you for having me.
0: Oscar, first, can you tell us a little bit about NovaCharge and what it does?
1: Sure. Uh, So NovaCharge is a manufacturer of uh, hardware for electric vehicle charging and also software where we make a cloud system that allows for administration and driver support for EV charging. So, you know, like a lot of different types of systems that are out there, if you're a driver, you can download one of our apps and charge your car and uh, hopefully save a lot of money in the process.
0: Got it. So Nova Charge is headquartered in Orlando. What climate-related changes have you witnessed working in this area of Florida?
1: Well, it's a it's a great question. Thank you for that. Uh, So you know we we are headquartered in Orlando. We actually moved the company to Orlando, Florida, very early on, mostly because of the leadership that the city of Orlando and the mayor had shown, uh, you know, in the early days. And we're talking about back in 2010, 2012, where the city was one of the first ones in the southeast to deploy large numbers of electric vehicle charging. Uh, So we uh, worked with the city to bring a a Department of Energy initiative called Electrify America here. Uh, And in doing that, we were able to secure some funds, work collaboratively with the city and also with Orlando Utilities Commission, the local utility here in Orlando. And that gave us a really great view of the leadership uh, and the orientation towards doing something about climate change that the city of Orlando has had with the Greenworks team in Orlando, um, led up by a fellow named uh, Chris Castro, which a lot of people know, uh, they've shown a lot of, enough leadership for us that we said, you know what, we think that uh, being a Florida-based company and being located in Orlando is a good place to be. So here we are.
0: Oscar, what are the climate impacts of electric vehicles and EV charging?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know if I'm an expert to be able to detail every little bit of that, but I can, I can tell you that um, the movement away from fossil fuels um, uh, really has a significant, significant impact. Um, it also has an impact not, not just on the planet and on, on the savings of the planet, but also in the pocketbooks of folks right uh, who are driving electric vehicles. And I, I can tell you that I myself went from driving uh, a gasoline-based sedan that cost me about $250 a month in gasoline based on the mileage that I drive to a an all-electric vehicle that costs me about $30 a month in electricity. That's a pretty big savings for anybody with extra disposable income that you could do, you know, whatever you want with it, you know, do better for your family, have a, a better entertainment with all the great venues that we have in Florida, a, a lot of things that you could do.
0: Oscar, how has EV charging changed in the past five years? And what do you predict for the next five years?
1: Okay. Well, uh, EV charging really has changed quite a bit in that we've gone from charging low-speed cars uh, where the initial cars were uh, based on, on the standard connector, which is J1772, into a DC fast charger world where a lot more DC fast charging is going on. We have now a wide variety of brands that are bringing EVs to the table. That then has catapulted EV charging from being simple trickle charging overnight or maybe at home in a residential environment into real public charging where fast charging can really happen. And so, you know, we as a company uh, do a lot of uh, public charging. We're, we're installing currently uh, some, uh, some rest stops at the Florida Turnpike. And those, that's very fast charging with lots of cars charging at the same time in the same way that you would expect people to be fueling on their way to north and south, et cetera, throughout Florida. Um, over the course of the next five years, one of the things I do expect is that increasingly there's going to be vehicle-to-grid uh, movements of electricity, not just from the grid to the vehicle, but meaning that the car would be able to be used as a mass storage device of energy, and you might be able to actually sell energy back into the grid, very similar to having a power wall or one of these one of these interesting items right in your home. Uh, the same thing for businesses. Businesses would be able to then sell electricity back buy it at a cheaper rate and be able to sell it back. And all of the cars in their parking lot could participate as well. So EV charging will become bi-directional over the next five years. Oscar,
0: are there any common misconceptions with regard to electric vehicles and EV charging?
1: Well, I think, I think one of the common misconceptions is that um, uh, folks are not quite sure when they can charge, how they can charge. There's a lot of, uh, of issues around range anxiety And what we're doing really uh, and effectively with the infrastructure bills that are coming uh, is we're getting the ability to lay infrastructure in a lot of different places. Yeah, you have to kind of consider EV charging where it is today, similar to gas pumps in 1910, right? In 1910, if you wanted to go across the country, you'd better carry your own can of gas, right? And be able to find places to be able to replenish. Uh, EV charging is moving away from that, you know, ability to only find a few places to find many more places And the business models that are around the software for EV charging are really driving that. So today you can have an EV charger as a vending machine. And so as this becomes a business model that's viable for the vending machine operators, for anyone wanting to resell energy along the way in the same way that you resell gasoline, that will then promote the many locations that are gonna be necessary in order to first cover the main roads and then cover the secondary roads and then eventually permeated over the next 20 years to the same level of extent that you have uh, fueling today.
0: Got it. So Oscar, how can local and state governments help make electric vehicles and EV charging accessible to more people?
1: Well, I I think if you look at some of the initiatives, I'm gonna once again use the city of Orlando as an example. They just passed what was called the EV Readiness Program. And the EV Readiness Program is actually a code that requires uh, specific building types to any new building type of that, of that nature. And I'll let everyone look up that code. I won't go into a lot of details on that here, but um, it requires that things to be pre-built. And so the, the largest cost uh, and, and you know, uh, the most difficult uh, part of installing EV chargers is making sure that the infrastructure is in place because it's not just about the appliance itself. It's also making sure that the breaker panels, and all of the infrastructure is able to support it, including the available power. If you can make that power available at the time that the building is built and make sure that the panels have enough space and there's conduit already run, then it makes it a lot easier for anyone to later come in once they own the building or maybe part of a residential building for a resident to be able to come in and say, I'd like an EV charger. And it's less costly and much more straightforward in order to put an EV charger in place.
0: Oscar, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Kevin.